This is Birth Confidential with TJ. Hi, I'm TJ, and welcome to Birth Confidential. This is the very first episode, and I'm so glad that you're here. And before we get into the episode, I wanted to explain why I wanted to do this podcast. I felt on my heart that I wanted to do a podcast that could help someone, that would make a difference, that by listening to these stories... Other women or other men would feel like they were not alone or they would feel hope or, you know, maybe they could get something out of it, an idea or just something that could help them in their birth journey or their um, journey into parenthood. All of these stories will be birth stories. If I've learned anything throughout um, recording some of these stories is that they're all different. And, you know, some will be harder to listen to than others. Some will be about loss. All of them will be about hope. Some are absolutely hilarious. And if I'm being honest, I feel like my birth was just a bunch of doom and gloom, but it's all real. It's all real women and men because their experience and even their perspective is sometimes completely different from what women are going through and experiencing during birth. And there are different ways of becoming a parent. There's IVF. There is adoption. You know, there are women who have babies without a partner because they just want to be a mom. All babies have to be born. And that journey into parenthood is what I want to talk about. I know when I was going through my pregnancy, I found myself asking any woman with a child (laughs) just the most personal, intimate questions about herself. Like, hi, I'm TJ. Nice to meet you. Oh, I see you have a child. How is your vagina doing today? And, you know, these women are so didn't even flinch. They're just so supportive and open and just gracious answering any question that I wanted to know because my anxiety was at a 12 at all times. And like sometimes I wanted to know everything so I could be prepared for everything. And there were some days that I didn't want to know anything. I was just better off not knowing anything. I think the best advice that I got was like, you can have a birth plan, but also be prepared to not have any plan at all. Because when things get rolling, they just roll and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with just make your plan be okay with not having a plan. And I know that doesn't work for most of us. You know, like we got to have some kind of plan. Um, I did join some Facebook mom groups and I quickly realized that they weren't for me. I am still in a couple of them because I do find them helpful when I move different cities and I need new doctors or I'm looking for daycares or, you know, things like that. There are a couple of them that aren't so bad, but I had to get out of a few of them because they were just so much for my anxiety. I was not sleeping. I was laying awake at night, reading all these horrible stories. I just could not handle them. But what I did notice during these late night scrolly scroll sessions is all of these women asking each other in these groups questions about their birth, questions about adoption, questions about um, surrogacy or what they brought to the hospital, what they did as an alternative instead of an epidural. And there were hundreds upon hundreds of comments. And then I had some influencer friends on Instagram after they had babies, they would post, I know you guys have been asking about my birth story, so that's coming soon. So I knew that there was a demand for that. I knew that there were people who wanted to hear these stories. 
I knew that we wanted to know what other women were going through. And that somehow connects us and makes us feel like we're not alone and in some ways helps us with our own experiences or something we may go through in the future or something that we're going through now or have gone through. So I wanted to provide a safe space for these stories. My first guest is Kayla Kenny, and she is also the inspiration behind this podcast. I met her in Nashville through a mutual friend. Um, She was filming a show called Sips and Tips, and she asked me to, to be a guest bride on her show. And we met at this really fancy grocery store called turnip truck in Nashville. And my daughter was two at the time and we had started talking about my birth and, you know, I'll tell that story in the second episode just, you know, to get that out of the way because I reference it a lot. And um, that way you'll know what I'm talking about when I reference it. It was really traumatic for me. And the way that I handled it was to make a joke about it. And there were multiple times that I joked about it, not knowing what other women were going through. And In those situations, I was being completely insensitive. And some people will say, well, you didn't know what they were going through. And I don't feel that that was an excuse because, yes, I was going through my own thing, but also just the way that I made fun of my pregnancy or my birth. I just think that it was just insensitive in general. Once was uh, with an artist's wife who was going through infertility And another time was during this conversation I had with Kayla. And in this conversation, um, she had opened up to me and told me that she had lost four babies. And I didn't know what to say. And I remember walking down one of the grocery aisles and I started asking her all these questions because she told me that she was going to go to Mexico. And in the podcast, she explains this procedure that they were going to get done that was not FDA approved in the United States. And I remember her looking at me while we were walking down one of the grocery aisles and she said to me, I just want to be a mom so bad and I will never, ever forget the look in her eyes. When she said that, I could see all the pain and the longing, just I could feel how badly she truly meant that. And I just, my heart broke into a million pieces for her. And then I started asking her all these personal questions like, what's your blood type? And then I was like, I am so sorry I'm asking you all these personal questions we had just met 30 minutes ago. And she's like, no, 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 no. You know, this doesn't get talked about enough. And she was right. These stories don't get talked about enough. In fact, she was maybe one of three people I had ever had that conversation with. And I mean, that was just last year. So I had a platform and Kayla has a platform and she talks about it openly. And I want to share all of these stories, you know, um, the hard ones. And of course, there are some women whose birth goes exactly according to plan. And that's awesome, too. I want to share those stories, too. All of the ways we become parents. And if you have a story that you want to tell, you can email me, tj at ks95.com, and I will gladly provide a platform for you to share your story. I hope you like this podcast, and um, please rate and review and subscribe. Share it with your friends or your family or anyone that you think may need to hear it. And uh, I'll take the feedback, too. If you want to email me and give me some feedback, I can take it. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you get something out of these stories as much as I did. And sidebar, the audio in this first one, I'm an idiot. And I didn't plug in my microphone because I don't know, mom brain sometimes. So going forward, I promise it's all better. It was a Zoom and I was like, yay, I'm with my friend and we're just chit-chatting. I haven't seen you in a long time. What's up, girl? And then I just didn't plug in my microphone because, you know, whatever. But I remembered for all of the other ones going forward. So uh, here we go. It's the first episode of Birth Confidential. <laughs> Let's back up and tell a little bit about yourself and like what you do in your background. <laughs> my background. I, I have very colorful background. Oh, thanks. Um, so my company is it's called KLA Creative and we have a couple different um, branches. I have KLA guitar straps. I make a bunch of guitar straps here in Nashville. Um, I have KLA Boutique um, that focuses on weddings and interior design and decor and retail. And then I also just have the KLA Creative brand where I do, um, I don't want to say influencer because I personally do not identify with that word at all, but where I do, I try to offer some insight on things that have worked for me in my domestic ways. Right. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yes. Um, just because I think influencer is something completely separate from what I do as a whole with my companies. But um, yeah, when I met you, I was producing a show called Sips and Tips that I was hosting that was basically providing tips on how to plan and decorate your wedding with a bunch of DIY tutorial stuff, but it kind of turned into home interiors because I do interior design um, as well. But yeah, so I do TV hosting as like a personality and then my companies are kind of secondary running themselves. And you co-host your own podcast with two of our other people. Oh, I do. Yes, yes, yes. I guess that's that's such my outlet that sometimes I don't even consider that work. Um, yeah, I co-host a podcast called Hi, My Name is Mom uh, with Corey Olson and um, Jen Culp, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Brutally honest. So real. Our yeah. second so episode real. was Boobs and Babies, yeah. and when we did that episode, I was like, okay, I can get on board. It, <laughs> it, and, and this is, again, why I say I don't identify as an influencer, because we're just not perfect. We're not the filtered, like... There's no flat tummy tea up in here. <laughs> we were talking about, I think my daughter, she was two at the time. And I was probably just telling you about like how traumatic my birth was. You probably asked me if I wanted more kids. And I was like, I don't know. And when I talk about Nilly, it's so nonchalant to me that sometimes I'm just like, oh, she's an oops baby. She's my little firecracker. She was a, a 4th of July baby where we were like, had a little too much alcohol and Hey. <laughs> hey. she came real early we wanted kids and we would have had you know a baby she just came a lot earlier and she so, wasn't the plan that you thought you had laid out <laughs> correct and when we started talking about it you started sharing your journey with me about how you and your husband Jonathan had been trying to get pregnant and um and your stories of loss and you were telling me that you were planning on going, you were going somewhere out, like out of the country or something. Uh, we were going to go to Mexico for immunotherapy. I'll do a brief backstory. So um, my husband and I uh, have been married for eight years. Um, we've been trying to have kids for a very long time. We've had four miscarriages. And last April, we had our first uh, baby who 
was actually full term. She's here. She's eight month old now. Um, we have a little girl and she was my fifth pregnancy. But after four miscarriages and lots of appointments with fertility doctors and uh, gene therapy doctors and just a bunch of stuff, the only option that we were given was to have immunotherapy. And basically what that is, is we'd have to fly into Arizona and then we take a bus to Mexico. This sounds yeah. crazy. We take a bus to Mexico and I had to get um, a skin graft of my husband's uh, white blood cells grafted under my arm so that my body adapts to them and doesn't attack them basically to prep me for IVF so that my body doesn't reject another pregnancy because um, my body was consistently rejecting pregnancies. And so we were getting um, ready to do that uh, last September. And um, actually a week before we went in for our therapy appointment, I found out I was pregnant and we got pregnant in a car on the way home from a wedding rehearsal in Ohio, <laughs> like with no help, like no, for, like after all of these years, we like pulled the trigger to do this immunotherapy and do this like whole crazy thing that's not even approved in the U.S. <laughs> we find out that we're pregnant with this miracle baby. And so that's like the gist of it, um, which is just crazy because I was just, at peace with, hey, I'm going to go to Mexico and get my husband's like stuff grafted under my arm. And there's probably better scientific like explanations for immunotherapy than what I just said, um, because I am in no way in the medical field, but that's pretty much how I'm going to paraphrase how it was explained to me. <laughs> how long had y'all been trying to get pregnant? We'd been trying to get pregnant for six years. It's just a long, painful journey um, that I came to peace with. And I was like, I was talking about it with people because I don't feel like it's talked about enough. I don't, I feel like I went through so much depression and feeling like I was hiding and I had like all of this baggage and then I'd come out and have to be like all bubbly and nobody, it was like this big secret that I just lost a baby. It was like this big secret that I was grieving the fact that, you know, I'm going through like the whole mess of another loss, the whole mess of another loss, the whole mess of another loss. And like, it, yeah, it just wasn't talked about enough. And so I think after I got back from Israel, I just told myself I'm at peace with this is my story. And there are other people that have these same stories, if not more painful. And I want to normalize all different types of stories that aren't being shared because you only see the picture perfect ones. Right. And I think with the platform that I was given at the time, um, I was filming a TV show with HGTV and everyone thought my life was just like, Oh, it's so glamorous. Oh, it's so this, it's so that. And like underneath it all, I was just in so much pain and going through such, such losses. And I, and I just told myself, I'm going to use this platform to let people know that you can coexist with, holding your life together in grieving those two can coexist but like how that happens is just allowing yourself the process of whatever needs to be done to heal and speak things out loud and just normalize the issues <laughs> yeah so each time that you got pregnant did you wait longer and longer and longer each time to tell people or yes so i actually like other than maybe a few close friends, I didn't start talking about any of the losses until after my fourth miscarriage. I felt like there was like 
four and a half years of silence from me where I put on this face. Um, I was doing music at the time and songwriting and um, just kind of getting my company started. And I think I took all of the pain and grief and depression that I was going to, and I kind of funneled that into my career as a positive outlet. And I kind of made my work my baby. <laughs> and, and I just like kept building things, kept like, I didn't stop. I didn't breathe. I just kept going, kept going, kept going um, with my work. And for me, that worked because it kept me out of depression. And now coming out on the other side, you know, years through all of this, I have these companies to look at and be like, okay, these are my babies. Um, this helped me heal. But I stayed quiet. I didn't say anything. And and it wasn't until after I got back from Israel that I was like, I need to share this. Like there's people hurting. I need to, I need to yeah. speak life into this. Before you went, decided that you were going to do this. Immunotherapy? Yes. Not approved in the United States. Immunotherapy. <laughs> was this like a, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, then we stop trying different therapies. Or were you just going to keep trying I don't think stop trying was ever really in the, I don't think I ever even had that conversation. Um, I wanted to be a mom so bad, like to my bones. I just, I, know. I, <laughs> and, it. I felt it. I felt it. I mean, oh. I even still feel that way. Like I, people probably get annoyed with me posting like on Facebook, but like, I love being a mom so much. Like it, I, as much as I wanted it, it's so much better even like now. And, and I know most moms feel that way. Like, so I, it's not like I'm special by saying like, Oh my gosh, I love being a mom. Cause we all have that like joy, but I feel like I've had that, that sense that, that longing for it way before it even came. And so it just, it feels like the most natural thing in my life ever. Just being her mom. It's hard. <laughs> it's so freaking hard. It's <laughs> so hard. For sure. Would you all have considered adoption? Yeah, we were on adoption sites. Um, we looked into fostering, which I don't think was a good fit for us at the time. Um, and, you know, we, we don't know what our, I know I want more kids and I don't know what that journey is going to look like. And so every single option, every door we're leaving open. I know I just said this on Hi, My Name is Mom that when Loxley was a week old and I was holding her in my arms, like my love for her was so deep. I remember like thinking to her that I could love you this much without even carrying you in my body. Like, and I could love another baby. I don't have to care. Like, I just, I love you. I'm your mom. Like, I don't have to even like carry you in my body in order for me to love you this much. And, and I feel that way. I feel like if someone just showed up on my doorstep tomorrow and said, this is your baby, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> come here. <laughs> Did you ever feel like you were completely surprised that you were pregnant? With Loxley? It was off my radar because we were like back to having fun sex. We weren't trying. We were yeah. getting ready to do this immunotherapy. So like we were just like spent the summer having fun and just focusing on like our relationship and we just bought a house and we just moved. And so I wasn't even counting. And for 
anybody that's, that might be listening that goes through fertility or is trying to get pregnant or has tried to get pregnant, you know that you are tracking literally yeah. everything, like your temperature, your ovulation. And I wasn't doing any of that. And so when I found out I was pregnant with Loxley, I literally woke up one morning and I was like, Ooh, I feel hungover. Like I hadn't drank in a week. And, and I'm not like a huge drinker, but I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't shake this. And, and I remember like I was changing out of my pajamas and I looked in the mirror and I was like, my boobs look like there's lightning bolts coming out of them. And I thought, no, no, no. And so I went and I had all of those, just the teeny paper pregnancy tests, not even like the fancy ones, but you, like yeah. when you're trying to get pregnant, you buy them in bulk. And so like I had the hundred pack and I peed on it and I was like, oh gosh, that looks like there's two. There's no way. There's no way. We're getting ready to start this. Like, there's no way. And so then I peed on four more and I was like, I'm going to the store and getting a digital test. And so it was like 7:30 in the morning and we had, it was, um, Americana Fest in Nashville. And we had people staying with us that were performing at Americana Fest that flew in from LA and they were still sleeping because they were playing at, um, they were playing at acne feed and seed all night the night before. And so I was like trying to be all quiet and I got out of the house, went to Kroger, bought a digital test, came back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's positive. And so my next text was to my best friend. I didn't even tell Jonathan yet. And it was like, Holy crap, I'm pregnant. Like what is going on? And then I thought, Kayla, don't get excited. Don't get excited. It's not like just let it go. Don't get excited. And then I don't know what it was intuitive, but I, I told myself, no, you can be excited. You can enjoy this moment. And so I texted my doctor and I said, I got a positive pregnancy test. And he texted me back, get in here as soon as possible. We need to get you on the shots. Um, because I have a blood disorder. I had to be on a lot of injections, um, my entire pregnancy. And so I thought to myself, how am I possibly going to be cute and tell Jonathan that I'm pregnant? there was no way that I could do it. So I just called him and said, I need you to cancel your meetings. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he goes, that's interesting. And he hangs up the phone. And then he calls me back like 30 minutes later. And he's like, all right, where do I need to be? And so that was... <laughs> was that, that was the first of, time that you have not tracked in a long time? Other than the first time we got pregnant, um, which we, the first time we got pregnant was probably the hardest loss because we were trying and we were so new and I didn't have any of the damage like from the consistent losses and so the first time is just like oh my gosh like we tried and we got pregnant right away like this is fun but yeah so with Loxley it was just the utter surprise of we got pregnant on the side of a road <laughs> what happened did your doctor think that that had any maybe had something to do with the fact that maybe the stress of not no like there's he focused? he just there's no explanation. I mean, other than the scientific reasons you can get pregnant. Um, if you ask my husband, I got a boob job a year earlier. That was part of my healing process. I was traveling. After the fourth miscarriage, I just kind of like started giving zero cares of anything. I got my boobs done. And so if you ask him, he thinks that I have fertile boobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it could be anything, right? <laughs> So now you tell your doctor that you're pregnant and is this the same doctor that you've had? He was like the final guy that we got to. We had to, it, what stinks about 
all of the pregnancy journeys is that you can't just go to a specialist right away. Like the thing that sucks about infertility and, and trying to get pregnant and all of that is such a trial and error, right? You don't know that you're infertile until you have issues. Right. So you can't work with a specialist to, to knock out all of your issues and figure out what it is until after you've gone through a loss. And because one in four women go through miscarriages, like if you have a miscarriage the first time, it's like, oh, it happens. It's okay. We can try again. And then you have a, the second time and it's like, oh, you know, it, it, it's not considered high risk yet. And then you have your third one and you're like, come on, yeah. <laughs> who do I need to see? And so we didn't even get approved to see a specialist until the third pregnancy. Um, and then they were like, okay, something might be going on here. And so we spent two years working with the Nashville Fertility Center. And then it was after my fourth pregnancy, I went in, I was pregnant. They said I was in the middle of a miscarriage. And then that's when they said, you know, you should probably have a consult with this guy. And I was like, really? It took me four miscarriages to get to the guy that's gonna like keep me through a healthy pregnancy. And so, um, yeah, I worked with a maternal fetal specialist and he was wonderful. I was in the office every month, the, the beginning of the pregnancy. And then once I hit third trimester, I was in twice a week just because I had kind of had a scary pregnancy all throughout. I didn't really feel like I was in the clear until she was in my arms. Yeah. But um, she's here and she's crazy. Can you walk me through the process of like now you're carrying a baby to term and what does your doctor tell you to do during this process? I was on Lovenox and heparin um, my entire pregnancy. Lovenox in the beginning and I was also on progesterone and I was on lisinopril for high blood pressure. Um, actually, I shouldn't say lisinopril because it was a pregnancy safe alternative yeah. for um, high blood pressure. And then I had um, hypermesis throughout my pregnancy. And so I was also having to go in weekly for fluid. I don't know what that means. So and please only and only share what you yeah. feel comfortable sharing, obviously. I am an open book. So that is basically where you throw up the whole time in the morning oh. sick like and so they call it the Kate Middleton disease. Mm. She was like the famous one that had yeah. it. <laughs> but I know See? So I was sick uh, the entire time, throwing up 10 to 15 times a day, uh, could not keep anything down. And so she was measuring relatively small the whole pregnancy. She was considered a preemie, but she didn't spend a day in the NICU. She's a total rock star. Mm -hmm. um, but I was monitored very closely. I know just from talking to friends that in normal pregnancies with doctor visits, you kind of get to see a scan at like the eight to 10 week mark. And then you have your anatomy scan and then you pretty much, you don't have any ultrasounds after that. Um, but we had quite a few ultrasounds throughout the entire time. I mean, I can't even count. We probably had at least, at least 20, if not more. Wow. And did you like, let yourself enjoy it through the entire time? I did. I told myself that I was going to feel the joy and I was, I was just like sicker than a dog, but I, I'm a pretty positive person anyways. Like I just yeah. kind of roll with it, but I just, I enjoyed every nauseous puke, everything. I was just like, ah, this is what it's going to take. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it with a smile. <laughs> so when it came to the birth plan, what, did they have to have you do anything special for that? Or were you able to have your 
kind of birth plan that you had? Um, no, I really didn't have a say because I was on such high blood thinners. Um, they, they weren't really wanting me to have a C-section, but because I've had blood clots um, in the past, they were worried about pushing um, for the chance of me straining too much and with the high blood pressure. Oh, um, with, so it was a really scary time because it, the plan was basically don't die. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. And so um, I trusted the medical team and just said, whatever needs to happen to keep her safe, um, and me alive because she needs her mama, um, I'll do. <laughs> and so I had epidural, I was induced and 36 hours of labor, two hours of pushing. And, um, I had a vaginal birth. If I had my choice, I would have tried to do all natural and not been induced if I could have picked my birth plan. Yeah. Um, just because what I've heard is people recover quicker from that. But I would have done the same thing looking back. I would have hundred yeah. percent always done the epidural probably would have got it sooner. Well, so I had my epidural pretty quickly and I am pro epidural 100%. What I have heard from people is that if you go into labor naturally and not being induced and I was induced. And so I feel like, and I don't know if you were induced, I was but induced too. so I feel and and this is just feedback that I've heard from other people based on my experience is it's like going from like zero to 60. Yeah. And then when you go into labor naturally, you can, you slowly like build yourself up for it. So you don't feel like you need the epidural as much, but if you're getting induced there, I'm, I swear that you cannot get induced and not get an epidural. Was it just you and Jonathan in the room? Yeah. So I had Loxley in the middle of the height of like the pandemic. How was all of that? Again, I feel like I, my pregnancy was heightened the whole time. And so I didn't let the pandemic kind of get yeah. to me. Um, that part didn't affect me. The only part that was kind of a bummer is I couldn't, I love being like surrounded with friends and everything. Yeah. And I was kind of bummed. I didn't have like the cheering crowd and like the waiting room, which yeah. I always envisioned. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was really intimate and I feel like it was the hospital did a great job at keeping everyone safe and keeping everything, I don't know, just normalized as possible. So I feel like it was more scary bringing her home in the middle of a pandemic and not being able to go anywhere because when I had her, we were still in the height of all the shutdowns in Nashville. So like you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't go shopping. You couldn't run to Walmart. Like nothing was open. Yeah. And so that was more of an inconvenience than the actual birth itself. How long did y'all stay in the hospital? So <laughs> we got into it about that. Um, we were there. I was induced on Sunday, had her on Tuesday morning, and we left Wednesday afternoon. So they did not want us to, like, they totally made us sign papers that we were leaving against, like. Even though you were, like, high risk and on blood thinners and everything? Yeah. So <laughs> did they do any extra checkups or? So this is what happened. I felt like my labor and delivery team was so amazing at Vanderbilt that the post prenatal room or whatever, I felt like the care was terrible and I was so ready to go home and I had help at home. Um, my sister was at the house. My mom was there. Uh, my sister's had four kids. She really knows her stuff with 
like just all things baby and, and helping me. She's great um, with lactation care. And so I was just so confident that I was going to be taken care of at home. And I knew that I know my body and I know my conditions and my disorders and my medication. And I felt so well-versed in how to take care of myself by the time I had her that I just, I felt it was unnecessary to just sit in a bed all day just for them to keep taking my blood pressure because I knew what I needed to do if something happened or what to watch. And, and at the time it was like, we were sitting in the room and waiting hours and hours for someone to come and check on us or, and it just, everything was going good. And my instincts were just like, I just need to get home and take care of my child. And her health was awesome. I didn't have to worry about her. And so it was more so they were just monitoring me and I knew that I had help at home. And so we just decided that going home was the best fit. And it was, it was perfect. She had a hard time latching. Um, I exclusively breastfeed and she had a hard time latching. And that was one of the reasons they didn't want us to go home because she was already so small and underweight. But I knew that my sister's help would be more beneficial for me being in the comfort of my home, in my own bed, trying to get her to latch than I would be in a hospital bed with a nurse that I didn't know who has complete knowledge of what she's talking about. But I just knew that I would be more comfortable in a setting where I was relaxed in my own clothes and my, and and it worked out perfect. (laughs) Uh, She's just so beautiful. Nellie the other day says randomly, she didn't even know that I was going to talk to you. And she's just like, do you remember that one lady that brought over that baby when all my stuff was gone? Cause you came over like the day we were moving. The day, well, you said you were moving and I was like, I'm coming. Like I'm dropping everything. I want to say bye. Tomorrow. And Millie's like, when all the germs go away, will you ask her if she can bring that baby again? Oh my gosh. Yes. So sweet. So now it's everything you hoped and dreamed, right? <laughs> Something like that. No, it's, it's so much more, but it's so hard. Yeah. It is, but it, I don't even know how to explain it because then you like are so in love that it's not even hard. Does anything surprise you about it? So you knew me pre kids and I, I feel like I've always been an extreme domesticated person all things, home, kitchen, decorating. That is just my wheelhouse, like all things creative. And I used to, and I'm embarrassed to say this. I used to be like, I don't know how people can't just like have a clean house and a baby. I was so judgy. Like, this is terrible. I shouldn't even say this out loud. I was like, I I could be able to do that. I'll be able to do that. And you can't, you just can't. And being a mom, I have decided that, and and I'm a full-time working mom. And I have decided that like, if something's got to give, it's not going to be my child. It's not going to be my income. It's going to be my house. So like, I feel like something that I identified in for so long, Yeah. I just had to be like, see you later. <laughs> gotta let it go. Gotta- <laughs> let it go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, how do people keep their houses clean? I swear. I'm constantly picking up all the yeah. time. I think the other thing is like, you just got to accept help if people are willing to offer it. Yeah, I do feel like you're a do-it-yourself kind of person where you're just like, I'll handle it. I got it. I got all. I I am. I get anxiety. Like people will stay at my house and I'll be like, don't do my dishes. Don't. (laughs) Don't. Oh, how dare you pour your your own orange juice? Sit down. And 
yeah, you just, you got to let go of a lot of expectations. You just don't have as much time as you, like all of a sudden, like the entire day is gone and you're like, what did I do? And it's like, oh, I like literally talked with a stuffed animal and (laughs) all day. All day. Did I put pants on today? Maybe, maybe not. Do I have pants on right now? I don't know. What day is it? I don't even know. What day is it? I don't don't even know. (laughs) I think the balance of it is just harder than I thought it would be. I thought because I had such maternal instincts and because I wanted it for so long and because I felt like I had it together with the career in the house, I thought that I could handle the balance and not that I can't handle it, but like, I didn't, I, I just thought I could do it and you can't, something has to give, it has to balance out somewhere. And so you have to let things go. <laughs> That's true. And also you, your puppies were your babies for so long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How neglected are your dogs? <laughs> well, let me straighten this out. I didn't know I had dogs until I brought a baby home. They were not dogs until I brought a child home. And now I'm like, gross, there's dog hair everywhere. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, get out of the nursery. Like, it's so funny. I treat them like dogs now. Like, I love yeah. them. They're still my babies. Yeah. But like, if I had to choose, my baby's staying with me. If it came down to like, my child is deathly allergic to you. I'm so, I love you. I've had you for 10 years. I know. But so funny yeah it is because like dogs too they used to sleep with me yeah they would sleep in our bed dog hair in my bed now no way in hell that dog can sleep with me with with the baby in the bed ever next to me it they all you're right that's a hundred percent a perfect description is that i didn't have dogs before a baby and now i have dogs yep that's so true and i will say like and this is probably the case for you but like knowing me before kids I would come over and I would make such a big deal about my dogs and I wouldn't, I would think other people were crazy that they didn't make a big deal about them. I love your dogs. Thank you. <laughs> what, Glinda? Is it Glinda? Glinda. Glinda. Glinda, Dolly, and Sydney. And then I have two cats, Betty and Tuxy. What kind of dog is Glinda? A Papillon. Papillon. <laughs> and she has, I'm going to give her a shout out. She has her own Instagram. It's Glinda Barkles. <laughs> She's so cute. Yeah, follow her. Follow Glenda Barkles. <laughs> I mean, I love all your pets, but Glenda's special. One last question. Yes. Now that I think it's becoming more talked about, at least I hope it is, but with miscarriages, and if mm-hmm. someone has a friend or family member um, who goes through a miscarriage and they don't know what to say, what would be your advice to someone? I need to find a post that I did about this because I like, I did something very specific about this last year before Christmas about how to approach this. Um, But I would say my biggest piece of advice is unless you've personally gone through it, don't offer advice, offer an ear, offer a hug, offer a glass of wine, but don't try and relate because I will say if you And this probably goes with a lot of things of grief. If you haven't personally gone through the loss of a pregnancy, don't try to relate by your sister's cousin's neighbor or like whoever in your life has. The best response you can say is, I'm really sorry that sucks. Like, I hate that you went through that. Like, just offer condolences, but don't, don't stop it there. Don't try to like, relate with the story 
all of that. Cause then it just sounds like you're making it about you and you're trying to make yourself comfortable. And if you hear someone going through that, let it be about them and let them have their moment and just offer condolences and leave it at that. Offer them a glass of wine, like seriously, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be a long drawn out conversation. You know, the best thing my sister said to me, um, and she has three beautiful kids, never has gone through infertility. Um, and she said, I don't understand what you're going through, but if you need to talk about it, I'm here. And that was probably one of the best things someone could have said to me because it was 100% about the situation and not about the person, um, like asking. And she's like, I feel awkward. Like, do you want to talk about it? Like just, yeah, don't make it about you basically. (laughs) That's perfect. I love that. Thanks for sharing your story. I know that it's going to help a lot of people. The day that you told me that you were pregnant, I was like, (gasps) when you sent me the picture, I'm going to share the picture. I hope that you don't mind. um, Of you jumping up and down when the, in the pink. Oh yeah. Having a girl. It's one of my favorite pictures ever. It's just the joy makes me so happy. I was, I was really happy. Yay. She's so perfect. She's funny. Thank you for having me on this. Well, I love you. Thanks. I love you. Thank you for having me. 